It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hello, everybody. Which speakers should um, start I start the one the regular one, that first one. I am so weird. Jesus, so sweetly abides with him. There's the drop there. Seems like it was taken up, see? Yeah, just kind of stand back. There is. There's nothing hearing me, right? I want to make for sure people can hear me right now. Everybody text me, please. I know they can. See it going up and down? I don't know what it's set on, but it seems like it's... Oh, maybe it's from here. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's just picking up the wind. Right, so it needs right here. It needs to be set where? Right here? The front panel? Right there. Yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Okay. Let's put the music back on now. We're testing a new microphone system. So we will now put on the music. Thank you. Happy Seventh Day, everyone. Thank you. 
Well, we're here on the side of a pond. It's kind of a garden here where we're at today. So let's do page 22 in the garden. We also need to get these uh, There are a few songs we need to do, like the mega tags for the oh, yeah, numbering of the song. So we need to work on that.
sisters can see where we're at. It's really nice here next to this pond. Uh, lots of frogs and uh, and dragonflies are flying all over the place. Different colors and sizes. Red or big ones. Cattails and different uh, plant life on this pond. Uh, wooden walkway on one side, we're on the other side under the pine trees. And we have some wooden benches here in this park that is a park. And it's really nice. You might be able to hear, uh, I need to put my microphone on. I forget we have this new microphone, but I think you can hear me nevertheless. But if I put the microphone on, you'll hear me even better. Amen. So, now my microphone is on and hopefully it'll be even better audio than normal we'd like the feedback on that if this is better audio than normal or not as far as when i talk it has nothing to do with me playing the music it has nothing to do with the music audio quality but when i'm talking maybe this might be better audio we'll figure that out or not i believe it will be Maybe you might be able to hear me better, especially if you hear background noises. And we have the cicalas, whatever you call them, cicalas, in the background. So, you can say 100% there. And Victoria in Nigeria says much better. Kareem says much better. Praise the Lord. Praise God. 
So praise the Lord for this new microphone system. Praise God. Praise God for this new place for worship services. It's really nice. And I see the cattails are definitely growing and getting those uh, cones on them now. Praise the Lord for that breeze. It's not too hot right now yet. And praise the Lord, we have the biofreeze for our knees and our back and knees. So we have biofreeze there to rub on ourselves. We get older and older. We use more and more pain salve and ointments. Amen. Praise God. Let's do at least one more song. And let's see what that's going to do. Oh, let's do page 24. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And I wonder, Victoria, do you have a printer or not where you can print out the song lyrics? Because we do have a page on the internet where you can print out the song lyrics if you have a printer. And that will help you learn the songs. And if you don't have a printer, let me know. And that way I can print them out for you. some frogs croaking too. Well, they can sing along with us. Amen. Page 24. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Thank you. 
so wonderful to have more people praising God, lifting their hands up in worship, singing praises to God, worshiping God, coming to know God on a personal relationship, knowing God not only as God and creator and savior, but also knowing God as friend, redeemer, advocate, witness, in many, many other ways. Knowing God in many different ways. Knowing God in an intimate way. That your prayers not be rituals. Not just mere rituals. That your service to God not just be for, for show. Not be an act. That you not be just playing church. But that he be true in your heart, true in your mind, true in your life. Amen. That you really know him and hear from God. If you are truly saved, you should be hearing from God. Different people hear him different ways. But we all can hear from God through the scripture and through his servants, the prophets through his servants, the apostles and pastors and teachers and deacons and evangelists. We can hear from God through scripture and from his servants, but we also need to hear from God in our own hearts, in our own minds, a one-on-one relationship with really truly knowing God. And we can't really say that we have good enough of a relationship with God unless we are Obedient to him and keep his commandments and love the truth. Amen. The Bible says that he is going to stand the strong delusion, the Antichrist, the one they call the Antichrist, because people don't love the truth. Amen. 
And the Bible says also that not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in. That there be many people that would say, Lord, did I not, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out devils in your name? Did I do, not do works in your name? And he would say to those people, to those church people, to those church elders, to those people who think they're saved, think they have a relationship with God, leaders of churches and lay members alike, he would say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That is a significant passage of Scripture. That's a very significant Bible verse that you'll never hear in most churches, most congregations, most pastors will never, ever, ever, ever repeat those words of the Bible or read them out to you or speak of those words in the Bible to you because it scares them to death. Amen. Because that Bible verse proves that just thinking that you're saved and just saying a prayer of salvation and doing good things, that this doesn't automatically mean that you're saved. Because if you're working iniquity, if you're working at breaking the law, if you're keeping Sunday in opposite of the law of God, and if you're keeping the pagan holidays in opposition against the commandments of the Lord, then you're a worker at breaking the law. Depart from me. I never knew you. If you keep not his commandments and say that you know the Lord and you do not keep his commandments, then you do not know him. You are a liar. This is what the Bible says, straight out. Amen. This is the truth that you hear this day. This is the truth, and every one of you know it. Amen. And the truth must be proclaimed straight out, straight the way it is, boldly. No sugarcoating it. No watering it down. It needs to be said straight out the way it is. Amen. And that's how you'll know the true church. True church will speak with boldness and courage and will tell you the truth. It will tell you these scriptures that most preachers would never dare to share with you. Amen. This is how you know you're in the truth today, brothers and sisters. Amen. Praise God. You get a sip of tea here. Praise the Lord that we are using the new microphone system today. So, praise the Lord. Let's go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. Happy seventh day. Thank you, Lord, for whatever rest that we got yesterday and today. Thank you, Father, for a day of rest and worship and a time that is appointed and ordained for your people to come together. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. Thank you, Lord, for what you have been doing already. Thank you, Lord, for the mighty works that we're about to see in your name. Thank you, Lord, that your people are going to be raised up, that your people will be manifested, your kingdom will be ushered in. Thank you, Lord, 
that the kingdoms of this world are already crumbling down. We see it. All the nations are falling. The presidents are being assassinated and killed. The churches are falling. The pastors are falling. People are falling away. The nations are falling away. Everything's falling to pieces. Babylon is cracking. But your kingdom, Father, is becoming only stronger and is being ushering in right now. Thank you, Lord, for your government your kingdom, your people, your church is being formed even more as we speak. Praise your holy name. Father, we ask, Lord, for your special blessing and anointing upon these services and your protection upon our brothers and sisters around the world as they meet for worship services and as they listen to the services and as they do their private prayer and private worship in their homes. And as they travel to attend worship services in the name of Jesus, that your protection and blessing be upon them. We know that you're faithful to do so. Thank you for all the new people coming into the truth. Thank you for all the people that are being delivered from the demonic whiteness. Thank you, Lord, for all the people being delivered from Babylon, from confusion, from lies and deception. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing through the Alpha and Omega Bible what you're about to do through the new Spanish translation of the New Testament, Alpha and Omega Bible. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you are doing. We praise you, Lord, and worship you. And turn this sermon over to you for your words to be spoken true. Ask, Lord, for your spirit to touch our hearts and our minds and our lives. And your will prevail and your spirit prevail in all of this. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Praise Jesus. We turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus 18. Exodus chapter 18. Starting in verse 13, so that's page 107. Exodus 18, verse 13, page 107. Exodus, Book of Law, I need to get off your mic over here closer to me also. Maybe we do this too. You know, I've often said I wish I had four hands or more than two hands, and I think God's about to give me that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> second, Mike. Whew, the nuts are falling off the trees. Uh, okay, praise the Lord. Exodus 18, verse 13. It came to pass after tomorrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And all the people stood by Moses from morning until evening. And Jethro, having seen all that Moses did to the people, said, What is this that you do to the people? And why do you sit alone? And all the people stand by you from morning to evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to seek judgment from the fields. But whenever there is a dispute among them, they come to me. I give judgment upon each, and I teach them the ordinances or the laws of the theos and his law, his regulations and his law. And the father-in-law of Moses said to him, you don't do this thing correctly. You will wear away with intolerable weariness. In other words, you're going to wear yourself out. Both yourself and all this people which is with you, this thing is hard. You will not be able to endure it yourself alone. Now then, listen to and obey me, and I will advise you, and the Theos shall be with you. Be you to the people in the things pertaining to the Theos, and you shall bring their matters to the Theos. You shall testify to them the ordinances, that is, the regulations of the Theos and his law, and you shall show to them the ways in which they shall walk and the works which they shall do. And seek out for yourself, out of the people, able men, fearing the theos, righteous men, hating pride, and you set over the people captains of thousands and captains of hundreds and captains of fifties and captains or leaders of tens. That means you shall have a man in duty and responsibility over, say, 10, 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 men, or people, that is, and then another man over 50, and another man over 100, 200, 300, whatever, and another man over thousands. In other words, you need local administrators, local judges, local leaders, local elders, on the level of community and tribe and neighborhood. And then you need statewide, and then you need regional, and then you need national. So that is the way we do it throughout business and government worldwide. Amen. And the Moses' father-in-law is teaching Moses that principle. Verse 22, and they shall judge the people at all times. The major matters they bring to you, but they shall judge the smaller matters or the smaller cases so that they shall relieve you and help you. If you do this thing, the fields will strengthen you, and you shall be able to attend, and all these people shall come with peace into their own place. And Moses obeyed to the voice of his father-in-law and did whatsoever he said to him. And Moses chose, chose out able men out of all of Jezreel, and he made them captains of thousands and captains or leaders of hundreds and captains of fifties and captains of tens over the people. And they judged the people at all times. Every major matter, they brought to Moses. But every small or light matter, they judged themselves. Amen. So that was a good principle. 
Now, the father-in-law did not say that Moses was wrong to judge the people or lead the people. No. What he said is he's taking too much on his own self, all by himself, without any help, without any assistance. You need help. You need other leaders underneath you for regions that are large and regions that are small. And like I said, that's what we have today. Your leaders of your neighborhoods, of your cities, of your state, of the federal, so on, so on. And that's why he was teaching Moses, and that's what Moses did on that. Now let's go to the New Testament. Look at Acts chapter 15. Is the microphone too loud? Anybody think it's too loud? I can turn it down just a little bit. Let me know if you think it's too loud. Acts 15. Acts chapter 15, page 146. Okay. Two people said the volume is fine. Great. Praise God. Thank you for your feedback. Acts 15, page 146. Acts 15, verse 1. Verse 1 and verse 2. And some men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, saying this, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paulos, Paul, Paul, Paulos, and Bartimus had great uh, dissension, meaning uh, division, argument, they was not in agreement and debate with them, some determined that Paulos and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Verse 6. We go to verse 6. And the apostles and elders came together, came together to look into this matter. That means there was a council of elders, a group of men, leaders of the church, that came together to, to hear a matter, to examine a matter, to judge a matter, and to make a decision on who was right and who was wrong. Are the people supposed to be circumcised or not? They had to be, determine who was right and who was wrong. Get down to verse 13. Verse 13. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, Listen to me. And in verse 19, Therefore it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to Theos from among the Gentiles. In other words, the circumcision is not necessary. Now that had to be brought upon the council to make a decision about whether Paul was right or not. Some people are saying Paul was wrong. Now, Paul was an apostle. But even the apostle Paul submitted himself to other authorities. As I said last week, every leader, every man submits to someone. Amen. Now, the apostle Paul was pretty much independent most of the time. He tried not to... Uh, uh, 
bring himself under too much subjection, but he did subject himself to the council in at least this one occasion at least. So he did recognize the authority of the council, and he did recognize uh, how that could solve a matter in that. Let's look at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Page 263. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, verse 2, 3, and 4. Those, those first four verses. Revelation 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door opened in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. And immediately I was in the Spirit, in a vision, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. Verse 3, And he was sitting, he who was sitting like a jasper stone, and Osiris in appearance, and a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne, verse 4, around the throne was 24 thrones, and upon the thrones were 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. So like the footnote says, these are not humans, but rather probably angels, or some form of creation, some species that God had created, and they were the elders are, they are the elders in the heavenly council. There is a council of elders in heaven. These are not humans because the book of John says that no man has ascended up to heaven except for the son of mankind that came from heaven. No one has ascended up to heaven except for only in vision, which is not actually being in heaven. It's just a vision in that. So, it's impossible for these to be humans, but they are some species, some angel-like creature that God created, and they are 24 of them, and they are a council of elders. Now, what good would it be to have a council of elders in heaven or on earth or anywhere unless those councilmen, the members of that council, are making decisions? They're not there just for appearance, just to be handsome and beautiful. They're not there just to body build and flex their muscles. They are there to make decisions. Ain't that interesting? Why would there be a council in heaven when God knows everything and he's the ultimate judge and king? But the Bible says he is the king of kings, Lord of lords. The Bible also says that we are gods. Did I not call you gods? But he is the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, beginning and the ending. He is the God of God. So it's what Lord of Lords mean in one way, in one sense. Amen? And King of Kings. Amen? So it has always been God's pattern of behavior to help others to learn how to lead, 
help others to learn how to judge, even as he did Moses. God could have delivered the Israelites from Egypt without Moses. Amen? God could have done everything he did with the deliverance of Israel from Egypt without a human being. But God chose to use a human being because just like the reason he brought Jesus into the flesh, it is a way that he can relate with us little people. Amen. It is a way that he puts on a robe, a manifestation to relate to people. Just like Paul said at one time that he is like a person under the law to other people who are under the law, but he is like a person who is not under the law to people who are not under the law. So when you go to witness to the homeless, it's best not to dress up in a suit and tie. Because when you witness to the homeless, and you go and talk to a homeless man, and you got a suit and tie on, he's going to look down on you. He's going to judge you and condemn you because he doesn't relate to you. So when you witness to the homeless, it's best to dress as they are. And if God, being great and awesome and invisible, and powerful, and all-knowing, and all-being, is going to relate to humanity, then he he needs to work through humanity, through the hands of a man. Amen. That's why he sent his own son, Jesus. And that's why he works with Moses and Noah and all the apostles and prophets. Even though he could do all of it himself, he wants the relationship, and he wants to relate with us. He wants us to be able to relate to him. Amen. And he also wants his sons and daughters to grow up. Amen. He wants us to learn how to judge. And he even wants the angels also to be mature and responsible and for them to learn how to do things too. He doesn't want a kingdom full of children. He wants us all, including the angels, to have responsibility, to have maturity and responsibility. And also, even though God does not get tired and sleepy, does God really want to be burdened by the smallest matters? Even though he does care about the smallest matters, does God really want to be burdened by so many of the small matters. What did he say? What did she say? All the gossip when the women getting on the phone and gossip with one another. Even the apostles said that they did not want to be burdened with all the widows and everything that they had to deal with. They needed assistance. They made more deacons. They appointed many more deacons into the church in order to just help all the women just for that purpose alone. So God has a council of elders. Now, if Moses had to appoint new judges, new elders to help relieve all of his work, to relieve a lot of his work and strain, if James 
was also a head of a council in Jerusalem, and Paul even submitted somewhat to that council in Jerusalem. And even if God even has a council of elders that he allows to take care of some matters, some of the smaller matters, then shouldn't we also have a council of elders? I believe that we should. Let's look at one more verse before we get into that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Thank you. Page 180. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, and God willing, we'll read verse 1 through verse 6. Now it's starting to heat up. Woof. Sun's coming up there on me. I want to get some of those church pants out of the storage too. And maybe I could walk over here into the shade. One Corinthians six verse one. Paul says to the church at the city of Corinth, he says this, Does any one of you, when he has a case against another, another church member, dare to go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints would judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not confident? to constitute the smallest wild court. Do you not know that we will judge angels on much more matters of this life that we judge? Verse 4, so if you have a wild court dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the congregation called out one? Verse 5, I say this to your shame, is it so that there is not among you one white man who will be able to decide between his brethren. But, but brother goes to law with brother, and that even before the unbelievers. But Paul is saying that it was not a good thing what he saw, what he had heard, was happening at the church of Corinth, of that community. That when the church members had disputes, among one another. They were taking their disputes, their disagreements, to the court of law of outside the church, to the government court of law. And it's not saying that's wrong to go to a court of law. Even Paul did go to a court of law. Paul recognized uh, the authority of the court of law. He's not saying it's wrong to see somebody or to recognize or submit the court of law. What he is saying, if there is a dispute, a disagreement between church members, that instead of going to that court of law outside the church, you should handle it by a council, a court 
judge and elders within the church. So that it would not bring disgrace to the church because of unbelievers seeing disagreement inside the church. Amen. Matters that are inside the church to stay inside the church. What happens in fight club stays inside the church. What happens inside the church stays inside the church. It shouldn't go outside. Amen. So, right there, Paul is saying there should be a council of elders, of wise men, who are able to judge matters within the church. Take care of disagreements in the church. Amen. So we see that verse, as well as when he submitted to the council of Jerusalem as well. So two different times, at least, that Paul recognized the authority and the need for the council of elders of the church. It also says, don't you know that you're going to judge angels? And also that we judge the world. In the kingdom, I mean, not in the kingdom, but actually on Judgment Day, on the white throne judgment, I believe that God will actually give the judgment to us. Even though it will be the judgment seat of Christ, yes, it will be the judgment seat of Christ. But if you think about the United States Supreme Court, which a lot of other nations copy, it's not just one judge. You've got a chief justice. You've got a leader of the council of judges in the Supreme Court. You've got one chief justice. But there's other members, there's eight other members in addition to one, a total nine in the United States Supreme Court. And so you have God, and then you got the 24 elders. Amen. And I believe on Judges Day, you're going to see also uh, God and the 24 elders and Brother Gerald. And Sister Grace and Sister Trucy Toad also on that council on Judgment Day, I do believe. And also during the 100 years and also during the 1,000 years, the saints ruling the world, being administrators of the government of God, the kingdom of God, and judging the people, the humans, that are present in the thousand and then in the hundred years. Amen. Now, considering all these verses, that Moses appointed judges, that there was a council of elders at Jerusalem, including James, that even God has a council of elders, and that Paul, again, said that the church should be able to settle disputes among themselves, basically through a council of elders. I believe it is now time for the true church to appoint a council of elders, a council of judges among us. 
I've actually wanted to do, to do this for a really long time. I really have done this. I've wanted to do this for a really long time. But until now, we really didn't have enough faithful, proving, proven members that I trust, I rely on, you know, that did not fall away. I have a lot of people fall away over the years. The Bible speaks for that. Right. But now, even though the church is still small, it's still a small flock, but there is enough members now who have a council of elders, and it is needful, and I do feel that God has confirmed this and that it's God's will and not just my teaching, not just my will, but I believe that this is truly under the direction of the Lord Jesus. So I do believe we need a council of elders and that's God. Now when I look at the church to consider who might become council of elders and who to appoint to that council, there was a concern in my mind because most of the men in this group that have proven themselves are younger men, age, death, age 26, 30. But traditionally, if you look in church history, even Jesus himself waited until he was 30 or 31 to start his ministry. And traditionally, in the Jewish culture, men was even required to wait until they were 30 or 31, something like that, become an elder. You have to have a certain level of maturity. So that was a concern because most of our members that have proven themselves are actually younger than that age. But this is what I believe God laid on my mind. Look at Revelation 14. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, page 274. Revelation 14, verse 1. We'll read the first five verses. Revelation 14, verse 1. Is actually out there at the end of chapter 13 because uh, somebody at some time in history started the chapter number in the wrong place. They really did. And so, verse 1 actually is at the end of chapter 13. It says, Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name, even the same name as the Father, written on their foreheads. Verse 2, and I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters, like the sound of a loud thunder, and the voice which I have heard of harpists playing on their hearts. Verse 3, and they sung a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn the song except for the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who had not been defiled with women, for they are virgin males. 
These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from among men as first fruits to the fields and to the Lamb. Now, these are 144,000 virgins that have not had sex with women. These are all men. And they are virgins. Now, I believe that these 144,000 men will be young men, very young men, up to the age of 30. That is my belief. I might be wrong, but I believe that that is true, that these are young men between the ages of 7 and 30. That is my belief. And that's probably most likely true. You think about humanity. It is God's will in general. In general. This is the way it usually works. Because God wants men to have sex. Men, in general, were given a very extreme, heavy passion for sex. And that is the natural way. But it is also God's will for 144,000 men to not have sex. But they would have to endure temptation. They would have to endure all the trials of life in order to maintain their vow unto the Lord. I refuse to believe that these 144,000 men are virgins only because they're immature and lacking experience in life. I refuse to believe that because I know the nature of God. Amen. The nature of God is that he is calling and appointing 144,000 men who have a vow to say virgins. Because that is what God has put in their heart, that's what God has put in their mind, that is what is ordained for those particular men. Nevertheless, as those men get older and older and older, they would have to endure temptation and endure again. Amen. I believe that these are younger men. Because if they're in their late 30s, 40s, and 50s, they would eventually fall away from their vows because that's the nature of man. That is the nature of malehood, masculinity by nature, by DNA, and by the devil's traps, snares, and temptations. Now, of course, I understand that perhaps it's not just that. I'm sure also it is because of devotion to the Lord. Amen. But the point is, I believe that these are young men, and therefore I believe we have a president in the Bible here for leaders of the church who are young, less than 31 years old. And you can also look to the Bible and find examples of kings, even King David, 
who became leaders of the congregation of Israel when they were only teenagers. Jeremiah, it is said, it is claimed that Jeremiah was only 16 years old when he became a prophet of the Lord, only 16. David was the youngest of all his other seven brothers when he became king of Israel. So there is precedence in the Bible of God choosing the young man, the youngest, actually, even the youngest. Amen. So I don't find any verse in the Bible requiring a certain age for a man to be... Uh, actually, there is one verse in one case, but that's only one case, and I forget. It kind of just flies through my mind. But it's not saying that that has to be the case in every situation, that that has to be the case in throughout history. It's not saying that, even in that case. It is a uh, particular episode. It's a particular situation that that was involved in. I don't find any Bible verse declaring that throughout the church in the end time and throughout history that men always must be a certain age. We do have Bible examples, David and Jeremiah and others, of very young men being leaders. And actually that is the natural uh, DNA and natural plan of God also. Men are supposed to be leaders and husbands as soon as they turn the age of maturity. That's DNA. That's God's creation. That's God's design. Is as soon as a boy starts growing hair on his balls, starts getting hair on his chest, starts forming a little meat on his bones, starts changing his voice from a girl to a guy, he's starting getting in that time of maturity that he is a man. He's a man at that time at the age of 13 or whatever, then he goes into maturity, puberty, then he is supposed to be a leader right then and there. He's supposed to get married right then and there. He's supposed to be the pastor of his own family, leader of his own children, leader of his own wife, and grow into his dad's position. Amen. By that age, uh, historically, the, the dad, by the time a boy becomes 13 years old, the dad is usually already, already up into his 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, stuff like that. Historically, it is older men marrying younger girls, historically. That's the way it was in the Bible. That is the way it was in the early American culture. That is the way it was in the early Korean culture, uh, Japanese culture, African culture. Throughout society, all societies, all cultures, it was older men, younger girls getting married. By the time a, a guy turned 13, he is already being raised by his elder dad to take his dad's place. Dad is already up in his 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Amen. So that boy is becoming a man, both physically and mentally spiritually, and ready to be an apprentice of his dad, to grow into the, the, the work position of his dad and responsibility over the family and forming his own family. 
Amen. So, when I say it's been traditionally a man have to wait to 30, 31 years old, I, that's just a culture of the Jewish law. It is not the DNA. It is not God's plan. That's just tradition. Amen. So we have the 144,000, which I believe will be young men. And we do have David and Jeremiah, and we have the DNA and the natural course of humanity is for young men to become leaders while they are young. Amen. And the young, they have to learn by doing. Amen. Not just watching, but by doing. The best way you can learn anything is by doing it yourself. That is how you learn. That is the best way. And the young, they have to learn sooner or later, and they have to learn somehow and at some time. And the older you get, the harder it is to learn. The older you get, the harder it is to learn. People need to learn how to be leaders while they are young. It takes decades to reach full maturity. It does. So a person has to start while they're young, being trained, being in apprenticeship, being mentored by the older men. The, the guys need to start young. So this does not bother me. It does not bother God to start appointing the young men into the council of elders. Of course, we will also have some older guys in the council of elders as well, of course. Plus, we must consider that in the world, the older people are dying off. Did you realize that? It is true. The older people in the world are dying. We are losing the older generation. People are dying from COVID and other viruses, the flu, pneumonia, bacteria, both all across the world and from the vaccines, the nursing homes, and so forth, the elders, as far as the older people in society across the world, they are dying off, both by nature and by brand new diseases, plagues, and epidemics being brought on by God, partly as a judgment against that generation. I believe God's judgment has been pronounced against the older generations for not teaching the young, for not leading the, wrong, the young, for not standing up against wickedness. The reason America and the whole world is in a state of decline in morals and values, the reason the whole world is in chaos and wickedness is because the older people did not stand up against wickedness in the 1960s and 70s and 80s and 90s and the 2000s. They did not stand up against wickedness, and I believe God's judgment has now been pronounced upon the older generations. And it's time for the young men to stand up and take their place and become the new elders and the new leaders of society, of business, of church, of family. In all areas of life, it is time for the young men to take their place. Amen. 
if I continue to wait and wait and wait and wait for the man to grow up, for the man to become perfect, for the man to become older, for the man to become more mature, then we're never going to get a council of elders formed. It'll never happen if I just keep waiting. I believe I received direction from the Lord that it is now time to begin to form this council of elders in our church, the congregation across the world. A council is needed to settle disputes that might and will arise within the church, even as the scriptures tell us to do, especially in the larger Algerian congregations where they could benefit from having a third-party group of men who don't know the persons involved. So we have around 36 or more people in the congregations, two congregations within Algeria. When you have a group that large, and there will be more, there are more coming into the church there in Algeria, then you're going to need a council of elders to help settle disputes. We did uh, have uh, some new deacons appointed into the congregations there uh, in the past few months. That helps. But when you have 36 people, when you have different families, when you have people converting out of Islam, and when you have a lot of duties and responsibilities upon the pastors, one of those pastors will have they're having, Pastor Moses is having to work a job because the ministry is not able to financially support him. We're not. We should, but we're not able to financially support him yet. So it's a lot of work for a pastor to take care of a church, to take care of a congregation, uh, and try to work a job at the same time. A council of elders, in addition to the deacons, will help relieve some of the responsibility, uh, and especially as disputes arise uh, in the future. In addition to all of this, I believe it is time that I have some measure of accountability. It is time that I am held to a certain measure of accountability among the church members and the other leaders of the church. I also need, do need, some assistance making decisions. And it would be very good and beneficial to have a council of elders to give their stamp of approval or disapproval for new doctrines, new revelations, and prophecies. This is not required. The Bible never, the Bible never requires me to seek out the approval or the disapproval of a council to give a prophecy, to give a doctrine, to give a teaching, to give a revelation. It is thus saith the Lord directly to the apostles we don't need to be a prophet, a pastor. We don't have to go to the council of elders every time we give a sermon. Amen? Nothing to get done, is that what you say? But, 
nevertheless, it would be beneficial, helpful, even edifying to have a council of elders to look at what has already been declared, such as timidity, nudity, and other things that are controversial issues. And look at it, every one of them, examining the Bible plan, examining the issues thoroughly, and giving each one, each member of the council, their legal opinion of what does the Bible say and doesn't say, what is the truth and what is not the truth. The council of elders may say, well, this is unanimously every member of the council gives their stamp of approval to this particular doctrine, thereby, thereby giving more credence to the authority of the doctrine, to the accuracy of the doctrine, to the truth of the doctrine, that this is not just the apostles in this is not just his opinion, this is not just one man, but rather it is a total of seven men, including the apostles in a total of seven men that have all independently, individually examined the scripture and have all seven declared the same truth in unity and agreement. And this will help people to say and understand and comprehend this is not just one man's interpretation or opinion. Amen. At the same time, I do need to be held to some measure of accountability in other areas as well. It is often, unfortunately, it is often that wicked people resist the doctrines of the Lord, the prophecies and revelations of the Lord, and the guidance of the Lord. People who have even been baptized come into the church in agreement, supposedly, and then within a matter of days and weeks or a few short months, they're like, you are a false apostle, you are a false teacher, you're wrong, you're evil, you're sinful, and all kinds of false accusations against this has happened over and over and over. At such a time, instead of just me, myself, rebuking them and saying, get lost, get away. We could take the matter to a council of elders to decide the case. Amen. That would be good. That would be beneficial. So that if all seven men, well, actually it would be six men, because if it is an accusation against me, then I would not be able to vote on that particular matter. But rather I would be a defender in the case. The person accused me would be a plaintiff in the case, and I would be a defendant in the case, and I would have to testify on my own behalf and defend myself, and I would not get a vote in the matter. And then the other six men would decide the case. Of course, you would have to go by the law of God, and the law of God says there must be two or three witnesses. There must be two or three witnesses to prove the accusation. However, in our modern time, a written post on social media, a statement on the website, which 
Satan in a journey could be held against you as a witness. So I would say that again, a statement on social media, a statement on the website, a statement on journey, an email, any of those things could be counted as a witness. Be accounted for the two or three witnesses. Yeah. But just because you have two or three witnesses against you, even if you have a thousand witnesses is it true that this statement that I have made is wrong or sinful or demonic? Have I misled the people? Have I committed a have I trespassed against the Lord? Have I done the person wrong? You can have a thousand witnesses. But is the accusation true? Now we would have to determine the truth of the matter. I see this beneficial on many different levels. And that way, if the council comes back and says that all six men agree that I'm guilty or that I am innocent, either way, then the plaintiff, the person against me, or even myself, if they determine that I am in sin, neither party can claim it's just my opinion. Also, the Church of Nigeria could settle matters among themselves, or not just among themselves, because they would, certain matters would come to the council worldwide, and certain disputes within Nigeria and other locations around the world could be brought to the worldwide council. The churches are going to grow, not only in Nigeria, but Korea, Australia, America, South Africa, India, Jamaica, across the world. The church is going to grow in this next few months, and council elders will be useful at that time. I do believe, as I said, I have received confirmation of the Lord in this direction. I would now share the two confirmations that I received. Confirmation number one, yesterday, July 16, 2021, I saw a movie member post on his page that Jesus is the judge and that judges are important. Actually, it's a link to the article saying this, that Jesus is the judge and that judges are important and I forget that it said in all cultures or all nations, whichever it said, whichever. Now, it's very significant that I saw that yesterday, July 16th, because just last week, last seventh today, I announced that for 11 days plus, we would each day at a time think of God in a certain way, and that July 16th would be the day to think of God as the judge. Wow! That's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. Seven days ago, I said on July 16th, you think of God as the judge. And then yesterday, on July 16th, that same date, somebody I don't even know, I don't even know this person, posted on their reading a link to an article all about God being the judge and judges are 
This is while while I was thinking, while I was considering, while I was seeking the Lord, oh, should I appoint a judge, a council of judges? This is mind-blowing. That is a major confirmation. Again, on the same day yesterday, the second confirmation, I saw a news report that Pope Francis is declaring and enforcing the rule of the last Vatican Council of the 1960s, 1962 to 1965. And the news report said that this is significant, that this is unusual, that this is a significant uh, event in the Catholic Church. It is, a, it is not a usual event. It is not something that happens every day, every week, every month, or even every year, or even every decade. It is an extremely unusual event that Pope Francis said, I am going to void out a ruling that was made by previous popes, including Pope Benedict before him, and a, another previous pope, he said, I'm going to rule out both of those rulings on a certain matter because the council had declared a different decision in 1962 to 65 and that the Catholic Church must respect the council, basically a council of elders, and I found that very significant because you know that the devil copies what God does. Amen. The devil copies and makes a counterfeit of a lot of things that God does. Saturday versus Sunday. Christmas versus Hanukkah. So forth, so forth. The devil copies and makes a counterfeit of what God does. So the devil, Pope Francis, being literally Satan in human incarnate form, is copying what God is doing and saying that a council of elders is important. And so that, so I believe, and I know that this is not my interpretation alone. But prophecy is not a private interpretation. Amen. This is not my prophecy alone. It's not my interpretation alone. I know that it is God confirming that this is to occur, that he wants us to form the council of elders. Now, of course, all the council members must be male because the Bible is clear that a woman should not exercise authority over the men. Amen? So if you're going to have a council of elders worldwide ruling the church, making decisions, making judgments about doctrine, about prophecy, about suddenly disputes, biblically, it must be a council of men. Amen? All 144,000 are all going to be men. Amen? And I'm sure also that uh, in Moses' time, all the judges and officers that Moses appointed were all men. The council at Jerusalem, James, and the council at Jerusalem were all men. Amen? So there must be all male members regardless of age. Age is not a real consideration. And of course, all these men must have shown 
faithfulness and some quality to reflect, to give evidence of their calling. Amen. Thereby, thereby, I hereby appoint the following members of the church as council members. First of all, locally here, where we are based locally in the United States, states I hereby appoint Brother Gerald, who is the only prospective council member that has actually met me in person and knows me personally and knows the situation for local activities and my life and my character firsthand, face-to-face. He is the only American vote for cases against me where I can't vote in those situations. It is important to have a vote from uh, the majority of the nations that we represent and so Brother Gerald would be American vote in the cases, certain cases where I cannot vote if the uh, council is coming to decide uh, something concerning me, me personally. He has also proven himself by being the longest lasting American church member other than myself and my wife. He has also proven himself by the amount of work on the Alpha and Omega Bible and the ministry website and many other ministry tasks. Brother Gerald is worthy of being a member of the council. Amen? Praise God. Next up, I hereby appoint a bountiful servant, the leader of the Jamaican congregation. He's a very intelligent man, and he has been faithful in loving alms. Alms is the gift of love through tithes and offerings as well as good deeds. He has been faithful in those things. He is also older than Brother Gerald, older than Brother Pastor Ehub, Pastor Moses, older than meekness. So he brings some maturity of age to the council. He is one of the large, he also had one of the largest best scores on the masculinity test that I had published. What was that? Many months ago, last year, whenever it was, and I uh, made the masculinity test, Brother Bountiful Servant had made one of the largest best scores on that masculinity test. And that says a lot about his character and how that he is a man of God. And he has been baptized, I believe, over a year now maybe two years, I don't know, but definitely over a year. And he has proven himself faithful to the church and faithful to Jesus. And I believe that he is very worthy of being, very worthy of being appointed a council member. Now, I did not bring this up with him before the sermon. This is the way that God works. God works fast, as fast as lightning in that. God is not slow about many matters. Many times the way that God works is a surprise. If you look at when Samuel came to appoint King David, King David had no foreknowledge that this was going to happen to him. King David was out working in the field, had no knowledge, no idea that God was going to send Samuel, as far as I know and remember, that God was going to send Samuel to appoint him as 
team that particular day. It was out of the blue, a surprise. So, this is the way that God works. God works lightning fast. But I believe that ever one of you be men or listening, that when you hear this, I want you to take time to examine everything I'm saying and the need. There is a need for you, every one of you, to rise up and to take your place in leadership. The younger people that's even younger than you, they're, they're going to need your leadership. And new people coming into the church and people that's been in the church, we need leadership. Not just Pastor Tim, but leadership in your local area and worldwide. Amen. Moses could not do all of it by himself, and I cannot do all of it by myself. I need your help. I need your assistance, and especially as the church grows. And then also you've got to consider that you, all of us, are being trained for greater responsibility in the kingdom. And the best way to do that is to be promoted, to be given responsibility, to be given duties to learn and to grow. And yes, some of you will make some mistakes, most likely, on some of the council decisions. I don't believe that the council will be right in every decision, every one of you, every vote that you make. But I do believe that the overall vote of the council will be accurate every time. I believe, I hope, I pray that overall, if it's a vote, I see there's seven. So if it's five to two, then the five have it. That's the majority. And I believe that the overall vote would be correct, but that those two members are not going to be correct. Amen? Because we're human. And some of the members of the council are younger. And some of the council members might not be quite as mature yet regardless of age, humanity is fragile, subject to temptation, subject to pride, subject to false belief, traditional doctrines, Babylonian doctrines, and none of us are perfect yet. And just because I appoint certain men to the council, that doesn't mean that I believe that any of these men are perfect, but rather that they have shown a certain measure of faith of faithfulness, of endurance, of reliability, of trustworthiness, to where I trust that God is using them and can use them in a greater way. Amen. The next man I hereby appoint is Brother Meekness in Zimbabwe. He's a great man of faith. When I think of meekness, I think of faith. He's a great man of faith. He has shown years of endurance and faithfulness and testing. He has also been, he is also the most well-traveled member of the congregation, having traveled through Zimbabwe, South Africa, United Arab immigrants, and other nations. He is the most well-traveled member of the congregation that I know of, bringing experience with different regions and peoples, and that could be valuable. 
as a leader. I hereby also appoint Brother Decipher in South Korea. He has endured much testing and years of endurance in the faith. He is also among the older of the possible candidates bringing maturity, much needed maturity, to the council. He has worked much for the kingdom and been faithful in loving arms, ties and offerings and good deeds. I also appoint Pastor Ehub of Algeria. We saw that God defended him when someone came against his teaching about Halal. He has God's favor. He is also the most experienced in the ministry other than the Apostle Zimmerman. He has also over two congregations and thus is responsible for the most number of people other than the Apostle Zimmerman and therefore is very worthy and dependable and is really an excellent candidate for the Council of Elders and the Council of Judges. I hereby appoint Pastor Moses of Algeria, who has proven himself faithful in service to the church and has proven himself faithful to service to Pastor Ehub. And since the Algerian congregations are the majority population of the worldwide church, it is only fitting that the Algerian nation gets two votes on the council rather than one. And then finally, I, the Apostle Zimmerman, will serve as the head of the council, even as James did, even as Moses did, even as there is a Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, even as there is a CEO of each board of directors in business. We see this pattern in both government and business that you always have a, always have a head, a leader of the council. And that leader of the council is, should always be the oldest and the most experienced of the council. When you add all that up, that is seven of us. Me, Brother Gerald, Pastor Ehub, Pastor Moses, Brother Meekness, Brother Disciple, and Brother Bountiful Servant. That is seven men. Five Gentiles and two Jews. That's very interesting that the Council of Elders for the Worldwide Church would be five Gentiles and two white boys. Amen. That's very interesting. I love it. Amen. Praise God. I love it. It's inter interesting that just last week that we started the new MeWe social media group called Black Conservatives. Very interesting how this lines up week to week, a pattern of events. That in itself confirms the appointment of these men. That in itself confirms the appointment of a council because God confirms his own actions. We had just started the group of black conservatives. I could have done that years ago or months ago, but it was done just last week. And then here this week, we have a council of elders of five Gentiles and only two Jews. It's very appropriate because the Bible does call this time in history the time of the Gentiles. The Bible does call this the time of the Gentiles. So it's very appropriate that we would have the majority of the council being Gentiles. That's going to piss a lot of people off. That's going to make a lot of the uh, people um, not agree with the council and not agree 
with the church and not join the congregation, not be baptized. But that is their own uh, falling away. That is their own sin. That is their own transgression of the law. And we will not tolerate hatred against the black people. They are our brothers and our sisters, just like anyone else. God created all nations of one blood through Adam and Eve. And that is the way it is. There is no Jew or Gentile in the kingdom. Amen. And this is wonderful because that will help to get rid of those racist idiots that we don't want nothing to do with. It will help to prevent them from sneaking into the church. Amen. So that's even another reason for the council. And this makes a total of seven seven men, and that is the number of completeness and perfection. I understand that some of you men feel like you are not worthy of the council. This is not really about being worthy. It's not really about being qualified. But rather, it is about God's appointment, God's choice, God's leadership, and God wanting to help you become, not that you are, but for you to become complete, for you to become more perfect, more complete in Christ Jesus. This will help you to grow, to mature, to grow in doctrine, to grow in prophecy, to grow in wisdom and understanding, to grow in responsibility, to grow in leadership. People learn by doing. Amen. I made a ton of mistakes in my first many, many years. <laughs> I was going to say my first few years, but, but, but my first many years, I made a ton of mistakes. A good thing I didn't have a counsel back then. <laughs> but it's time that I be held to some accountability. Amen. Seven is the number of completeness and perfection. So I do encourage all seven men to consider that seven is the number of completeness and perfection that you are appointed by God. And it's time to take a position of leadership, which is part of manhood. All men are supposed to be leaders of some type. It's time to take a position of leadership. I am requesting for these actually six other men plus myself. I'm actually I'm asking for each of you six men that have, that I have mentioned here that have that I have selected through I believe God's guidance for each one of you to please send me your contact, your email, or your text message, or your message of acceptance as a member to the Council of Elders, which is a council of judges worldwide, a position of leadership. Now, again, I don't need any man or any council to approve of everything I say and everything I do and everything that I write, but at certain times, it could be useful to ask the council to consider the, to consider the matter and to give a stamp of approval or disapproval on a certain doctrine or a certain teaching 
or certain words so that other people can say this is not just one man's opinion. That is edifying. To me, that's edifying. And helpful. Amen. I praise the Lord for this. I really do believe this is God's will. I believe that has been confirmed twice, at least. Go ahead, brother. Come up here where they can hear you better. Here's Brother Drilled. Count the benches here. Oh. And then look behind you. He said count the benches right here. Two, four, six, seven. That was here. Four, six, seven. That there's seven plus one? Did this come out or does this belong? No, I don't need Okay, don't need plug Then they've got this batch here, the chief. So that's God over there. Okay. So there's seven benches plus one. That represents seven men in the council plus God. Because that seven plus one, the one stands away. We have to take a picture of that too, where they can see it later. We'll upload it later. But the one is standing, that bench is like out away from the other seven. And it's the only one facing the opposite direction. So that one way over there is facing the other seven, and the seven are facing God. That's God's throne right there. And the other seven is forming a circle facing God's throne. This is, yeah, absolutely a confirmation, brother. Amen. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. That's definitely God's throne over there, and then the seven around it. So we'll take a picture of that, let you all see it. I definitely believe. And we didn't even want to come here, really. We was going up on top of the mountain over there to have services, and then they took away the benches. <laughs> oh, my God. Praise the Lord. There's usually benches up there on the top of the hill, and just today we noticed they are gone. There's no seats, no tables, no benches on top of the hill. So it's like we can't go up there. We've got to go down here next to the pond. And right here around the pond, there's exactly seven benches that are facing the other leadership bench, the Son of God. God said, you've got to be down here today. I don't want you all up there. You've got to be right here. Amen. That's God. That is God. They could have moved those tables and benches over there on the other side of the park last week or months ago or the week before or the week before, but they did only today are those gone and that we are forced to come to where there are exactly seven seats facing the other seat. This is gone. To all of you who have been appointed, please consider this miracle, this revelation, this confirmation, it makes three, it makes three confirmations within only two days. Please send me your acceptance of being appointed to the council. 
All right, and of course, I will have to tell every one of you how we're going to do this and how we're going to vote on things and what the rules are going to be. We'll handle all that later. I have to write all that up for you over the next few days, and I'll get that information to you later. But first, I want your acceptance of being appointed in that. All right, Brother Gerald is already taking pictures, and I'm about to hang up before I get disconnected. And I'll talk to you later, and God bless you, everyone, and praise the Lord for this wonderful day. You got something to say, hey? No? Yeah? Hang on just a sec. Right. So, praise the Lord. And so my wife said the, that the frogs are singing and saying amen and that they are in agreement. And, you know, the Bible does say that even the rocks shall cry out, praising to the Lord, and even the trees praise the Lord. Amen. And I do believe that donkeys and trees and stones and even frogs and camels can testify of the Lord's will. All of nature, God is present. If you, if you start a fire, God is there. If you split a stone in half, God is there. Catch a fish, he is there. God is everywhere. You preach by a pond, frogs the crook. I have no doubt that frogs can and they want to get that's the people of faith. That's what it's about. We are people of faith. Go ahead, Brother Gerald said, even the raven, the birds cry out to God for faith. The animals know God. I remember seeing a long time ago about a group of beavers somewhere or another. Where was that at? Wherever it was. That was a group of beavers that keep the Sabbath day. They monitored these beavers for over a year, I think it was. And for an entire year, not one time did they work on the Sabbath, not one. They would be out on Sunday. They'd be out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They would be out working. But on Saturday, every day, I mean, every Saturday for a year, they never once came outside their homes and came out in the lake. And that was doctrine. Not not faith or anything. Doctrine. So even the animals, and that's not going to be in every town and every case, but at least in that one community, even the Jesus chapter five said. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. We're gonna hang up before it cuts us off. And I'll see y'all next week. God bless and so down. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And then also Brother Bountiful said that number eight is special, being eight chairs here. And that does show uh, God's providence in that too. Eight 
uh, one of them being the throne of God, but nevertheless, eight is special to the Lord. Amen. It, it shows beginning. Eight is a number of beginning. That's what eight represents. And this is the beginning day. This is a day of beginning of a new council. So eight is a number of newness and beginning. Amen. Praise God. See y'all later. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.